Announcements, announcements, announcements. George has another one, another one, another one. George has another one. He has them all the time. A terrible death to die. A terrible death to die. A terrible death to be talked to death. A terrible death to die. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Do you know that song? What? You know, that was how we used to make announcements at church camp years ago. I just think it's a gem. We should resurrect that song. It's a beautiful song. I feel it's very appropriate for today because this will be our second Sunday of announcements in our passages that we have been reading. Last Sunday, we looked at the angelic announcement to Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a baby even though they were well past, well, she was well past childbearing years. And the busy angel has another announcement to make. And as in the case of Zechariah, our recipient must have thought what a terrible way to die through an angelic announcement because angels had that way of terrifying the people that they came to announce something to. If you were here last week, please notice the many, many similarities in the two announcements. We're going to be reading in Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, don't be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give, him, give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom, of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. I should say uh, at the start that I'm very greatly indebted to the New Interpreter's Bible. It's really good commentary on this passage. And these, a lot of these are not my thoughts. It was really helpful insight. So I just want to give credit. There are so many similarities in the two announcements. Both involve the same angel. The same angel says, do not be afraid. The angel calls each recipient by name, assures them of God's favor. The birth of the child is announced, the name of each child is disclosed, and the future role of the child is described. Both recipients ask a question, a sign is given, and the scene is completed with the departure 
of the angel. It's like the pattern worked so well the first time that it was just repeated in the second time. And because they're so similar, then the differences are all the more striking. The first announcement came in answer to fervent years-long prayer. The second one was totally unanticipated. It was a shock to Mary's system. We can see her thinking it over, processing it, even as the angel was speaking. Two miracles were announced that involved the birth of a baby, but the first miracle was to a woman struggling with infertility, and the second was for a, a bigger miracle. It would surpass it. The baby was gonna be born to a virgin, an even greater impossibility. And thirdly, when it came to their future roles, at every point, Jesus would be greater than his cousin and forerunner, John. The sign was given to Mary that Elizabeth was pregnant, and it's clear that Mary didn't know that. If you remember from last Sunday, Elizabeth had gone into seclusion. And the first angelic announcement had already come true, and it would have really helped Mary to believe a little bit more the second announcement, that this angel was really telling the truth. The main actor in our passage is mentioned ever so briefly in the first lines. We might be tempted to overlook him, and in fact, he's spoken of in the passive. The first verse says, the angel Gabriel, and no, he was not the main actor, was sent by God, and that's the main actor. We focus on the angel. What must Gabriel have looked like? What about him was so terrifying? Did he have wings? We have so many questions. But Gabriel was just the messenger. Much more important was the one who was sending him. God is on the move. The God of the impossible is breaking into the ordinary lives of two families and giving them the gift of two extraordinary babies. We ask ourselves every Christmas season, have our preparations for fun, our extended celebrations eclipsed what ought to be the true main spotlight of this whole month? And we have to ask ourselves this question every year because we are ordinary people living ordinary lives. The inbreaking of God's Movement in our world is not always dr as dramatic as an angelic visit. It's often invisible. It may be easy to overlook or to drown out with our busyness, but God is always active under the surface, even if we can't see it with our eyes. And this is our season to pause, to notice, to celebrate the movement of God that the God of the impossible is on the move. We, it's an old, old story, and we celebrate it as many years as we, have, as we have known Jesus, but the thrill is still there. An angel speaking to a mortal is not the most hair-rising, goosebump-inducing, awe-inspiring aspect of this event. God is on the move. Now, both Mary and Zechariah asked the angel a question, like I'm like, only one question? But they are so much more restrained than I would have been. But Zechariah asks, how will I know that this is so, for I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years? And Mary asks, 
<clears throat> How can this be since I am a virgin? Look at those questions. They're exactly, to my eye, the same question. They're all both saying how. It's impossible. And yet, Zechariah is struck dumb for, because he did not believe. But Gabriel explains to Mary exactly how. Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, well, why didn't you say so before? I get it now, right? Well, divine mysteries elude the capacity of human language. But upon hearing this from the angel, Mary's simple but profoundly life-changing faith statement is a challenge to us. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Um, to be fair to Zechariah, he promptly went home and had marital relations with his wife. Uh, so his actions, maybe it helped that he had been struck dumb. His actions show that he really did believe the announcement and that he participated in God's plan. But the stakes were higher with Mary. God would not have used Mary against her will. Everything we know about God's character makes us certain that for this plan, for the birth of the Savior, he would only use someone who was all in, someone who trusted him above what the gossips would say, someone who understood that a long, long, obedient walk of faith was required. Someone who committed themselves to partnership with God. So I wonder, was the angel Gabriel nervous when he made this announcement? The success of his mission lay in the hands of this two young women, woman. And we know that young people are in the process of learning how to make good choices and they make some terrible choices. What's that? Old people make terrible choices too? Hmm. And they should know better? Hmm. Maybe Gabriel would have been nervous no matter who he was announcing to. What if Mary refused? But she said yes. And this is where I'm going to spend some time this morning unpacking what Mary's yes me meant, um, unpacking that yes to God and thinking through our own yes to God. And what she shows us is that a yes to God is one step forward on a long journey of trust. A yes today means another yes is going to be needed tomorrow, and then the next day, and then the next day. And Mary said yes to God that day, and there would be many more yeses to come. It was really risky for Mary to accept God's plan. She was already engaged to Joseph. She risked her upcoming marriage with a pregnancy that did not come from Joseph. And she for sure risked social censure. She lived in a shame-based culture. We have done a lot in our culture to get away from shame-based culture. Um, so I don't know that we can really understand the position she was in. And yet the angel tells her twice that she is favored by God. What a strange blessing. She was favored with a child out of wedlock 
who would be executed later as a criminal. She was favored with a blessing that would cause a sword to pierce her soul. Her favor would cause her pressure and pain and suffering. And it just made me think about how I pray for God's favor when I pray for others, when I pray for the church, when I pray for myself. I pray for health, I pray for success, I pray for increase, I pray for finances, I pray for justice, I pray for miracles, I pray for test results. I've been praying over the kids for their finals this coming week. I pray for change, I pray for job openings. And it does not occur to me when I'm praying for God's favor that I might just be praying for less rather than more. That I might be praying for the hard road instead of the easy one. Or maybe I should just put it this way. Praying for God's favor puts you on a different track altogether than those other prayers that we say. And it puts us on a different track of our aspirations, our human ideals, our human striving, what we want out of life. Praying for God's favor puts us on a different track than that. Now, I don't remember a whole lot of TV when I was a kid because we didn't own one when I was growing up, but one cartoon that we watched at our neighbor's house was Speed Racer. Is this something that happened in the United States? Because this was the cartoon in Argentina that we all wanted to watch. And uh, it was big there. And Speed Racer had a very cool looking car. And uh, um, it was the extra gadgets that made it so good. He'd get in trouble with the bad guys. And every time the bad guys between the, the difference between the bad guys winning or losing would come down to some sort of a race. And the bad guys would always cheat and play dirty. But Speed Racer would press a button on his console and a cool gadget would bail him out and get him ahead. So what I am saying is that when I pray for God's favor, I am imagining God souping up my ordinary little car with turbo speed and jet engines and little bells and whistles that the other cars do not have. And all these extra favors and blessings from God are going to put me into the fast lane and I'm going to get ahead. But Mary's yes teaches us that acceptability and prosperity and comfort have never been the essence of God's blessings. Mary's yes meant some hardship, some poverty, some persecution. It meant having to flee their home in the middle of the night, living as a refugee in a foreign country. All of this in just the first few years of Jesus' life. And then she would have had to endure the violent death of her son when he was still a young man. And no parent should have to go through the death of their child, and certainly not a violent one. But the angel said to Mary, verse 28, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found 
favor with God, a strange and risky favor. Mary's yes teaches us that any blessing or favor from God should be followed by an increased connection to him. And that is our reward. In, in other words, there is no worthwhile blessing or favor from God separated from relationship with God. If the blessing is separated from God, then it's not worth very much. And I wonder how often we pray for things quite apart from God's presence. That all these things that we pray over, we can easily see ourselves enjoying without discipleship or commitment or obedience, without God in the picture at all, except for a shadowy, benevolent giver in the background somewhere. And for, for Mary, a, accepting a baby, a baby meant a whole lot of personal parenting investment. A baby is a lifetime commitment, a lifetime relationship. Yes, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, shows us that the blessing is embedded in relationship with God. And ultimately, for all the risks Mary took in saying yes to God, the reward was exponentially greater. She was to be the mother of the savior of the world. Her yes meant that she and everyone else would have access to God's gift of salvation. Puts her in a very unique and singular position. Yes to God always means accepting Jesus as the savior. So look in the passage at the names and the roles that the angel announced. His name will be Jesus, meaning Savior. He will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. The Lord will give him the throne of David. That means he is to be king. That's the expected Messiah role. He will reign forever. He will be great. He will be holy. This is who she was welcoming into her womb. Now, every parent has high hopes for their babies, but this, this was far beyond. So Mary knew more about the incarnation than anyone else. The church, people in the church would argue for centuries, hundreds of years, argue about how it could be so that Jesus was born human and Jesus was born God. And that mystery of the incarnation is incomprehensible to human reason, reason. But even before the birth of the baby, in this conversation with the angel, Mary accepts that Jesus will be both truly human, her son, and truly divine, the son of God. And she may not have been able to articulate how it all worked, but she, know, she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was the only biological parent to Jesus and that Jesus came from God. We have wondered through the ages about her pregnancy, about the awe and wonder she must have experienced every time she thought through what had happened to her during those nine months and beyond. Poets and artists have tried to capture that ever since. The angel Gabriel came to give Mary an announcement. And this is how we usually think of it. This is how we usually think about that angel is telling Mary something from God. But I came across this other painting where the angel is kneeling 
to marry. And that's how big and how unusual her yes is. And we've struggled to put this in two words. I came across a poem by John Donne written in the early 1600s, which imagines some of Mary's journey. By John Donne. Salvation to all that will is nigh. That all which always is all everywhere, which cannot sin, yet all sins must bear, which cannot die, yet cannot choose but die, Lo, faithful virgin, yields himself to lie in prison in thy womb. And though he there can take no, no sin, nor thou give, yet he will wear, taken from thence, flesh, which death's force may try. Ere by the spheres of time was created, thou wast in his mind, who is thy son and brother, whom thou conceivest, conceived, yea, thou art now thy maker's maker, thy, and thy father's mother. Thou who hast light in dark, and shuttest in little room immensity, cloistered in thy dear womb. Just the cognitive dissonance that Mary made in her body, her maker, who had her in mind before the world was created, and yet she created, oh, makes your mind explode, doesn't it? Did she know what she was committing herself to? Not really, I don't think. But it was her heart that was saying yes. She said yes to the angel. And she was really saying yes to God who sent him. And she was already saying yes to Jesus who was not yet conceived in her. The angel's announcement is an announcement to all of humankind. Really, an announcement of salvation. And your yes is as big and as important to God as Mary's yes. And he will not force you. It's big to him. So will you say yes to Jesus today? Let's bow our heads. Dear God, listen to our hearts. Listen to our hearts. Oh, they're fickle sometimes. But today, today we wanna say yes to, to you. And help us to say yes tomorrow. We want to say yes to you. We want to accept you, Jesus, as our Savior. In your name we pray, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabap.com prayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.